Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And welcome to the Wednesday Crew. Chris Akonis here with Dylan McCoy. Mikey Nichols running the board is Gideon Fox. K.O. Pallon uh, is unfortunately not able to join us tonight, but got a mostly full house. We've got um, plenty to talk about. Super Bowl Sunday obviously coming up. Rutgers basketball with a big game uh, against Minnesota at the Rack tomorrow night. Raj Shaw will be on the call for that one. We'll also be covering uh, Rutgers women's basketball, playing their first game in over a month. Um, so plenty of stuff to get into here. Uh, gentlemen, just want to get a feeler. How you guys doing today? Doing good, you know. Uh, I wish Rutgers was wrestling on Sunday. I don't know if you guys heard about that. No, they, I uh, didn't. Just had their quad canceled. Yeah, Rutgers had their quad match canceled. The whole quad got canceled? What happened? Was it with Rutgers uh, or Rutgers someone else? Rutgers pulled out at least. Oh. I think it's in Indiana, so they'll probably still have a try. But okay. Rutgers pulled out. They have COVID in the program. Oh, oh, that's not good. I didn't yeah. Even, when did that break? I didn't even hear about that. Uh, I was um, I was in a meeting like 20 minutes ago. Probably broke about 20, 15 oh, okay. minutes ago. Yeah, it was probably when I was driving down here. That's why. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Hopefully, everyone's feeling better. Um, yeah, but Dylan, how are you holding up? I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing good, Chris. Uh, good. You know, I'm excited for the Super Bowl this weekend. That's what I've really been looking forward. How to. good is that quarterback matchup, though? Uh it, it's something that I don't think any football fan ever thought they would have gotten in the Super Bowl, which is pretty awesome. Like, like, how is Tom Brady ever going to play against Patrick Mahomes? He plays for the Patriots. Well. He doesn't play for the Patriots, and he's still amazing. He decided uh, to single-handedly elevate a poverty franchise. Take his talents to South Beach. <laughs> it's, not the it's not the first. It's not the first. But, um, yeah, I'm doing good. As, as someone who has uh, spent a considerable amount of time in Florida, I can tell you that Tampa is basically Miami without the stuff. Like, it's just a boring, watered-down version of Miami. That's, like, the best I way I could it. describe it. I remember going to Tropicana Field and it being I'm so sorry. an apartment building, and that's about it. The best way I could describe Tropicana Field is it's basically a Costco with a baseball field in it. That's the atmosphere. Really good food, though, I got to say. Really? Underrated. Underrated, like, not a great atmosphere to go watch a ball game because no one's there. Right. But, like, the actual stadium inside, it's not bad. It's not... I wouldn't think that would be the worst. If that's the worst stadium in baseball, then the other stadiums in baseball are awesome. Like it wasn't that bad. Interesting. Interesting. I'll have to investigate the further. Uh Mike Nichols, how you doing, man? Um, doing well. You know. Uh, very excited for the Super Bowl. Like you said, this quarterback matchup is kind of a kind of a dream for any football fan. Uh, if you told me this when Patrick Mahomes was drafted, I'm not sure. Because remember, he was back up to Alex Smith his entire rookie year. So I'm not sure. If you told me Tom Brady at 43 years old is going to be in the Super Bowl facing Patrick Mahomes, I'm not sure which one I would less likely believe. Patrick Mahomes being a starting quarterback in the Super Bowl 
because no one knew what he was when he just got drafted, or Tom Brady actually being 43 years old and looking still like the greatest quarterback of all time playing in the Super Bowl. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. I, I can't wait to watch it on Sunday. And, uh, yeah, just uh, just excited for that. Got Rutgers basketball tomorrow, and uh, it's, it's going to be fun. I'll tell you what else we had today uh, in Rutgers news. Um, Rutgers football adding 10 more recruits to their signing class. Um, a couple uh, important uh, names here. Uh, we got Patrice Rene, uh, defensive back out of UNC. Um, we've got uh, defensive line prospect uh, Afayani Maje. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, transfer out of uh, Temple. Going to fill in that gap that uh, Michael Dwomfor left. Um, a name that we have a... Mikey, you went to Monroe, right? Mikey? Yes, I did. I be- Yes, I believe there's a walk-on from, from my yes. town, right? Kyle DeGraw, tight end out of Monroe Love High School. Love it. Yes. Love it. Uh, definitely, uh, definitely some Monroe pride, some M- Monroe uh, Monroe strength coming out of there. I love it. Yeah. Also, Todd Bowles' son is going to be a Rutgers scar all night. I thought that was pretty cool. So. Yeah, that that is that is really cool. Um, I guess uh, he's got to be a knowledgeable player, right? Because Todd Bowles is a great coach. He was obviously an NFL player, so he's got to be a smart player on the field. Yeah, I would. I would think. Um, yeah, I would think he'd have a pretty high football IQ. Most coaches' sons tend to. Um, so you know that would definitely be an asset for Rutgers. But you know, a lot of stuff going on. I want to start with Rutgers basketball, actually, um, because Rutgers, I feel like, is facing an opportunity to really launch themselves into a safe spot tournament-wise. Uh, I mean, they're already sitting in a pretty good spot at six and six in conference play. Um, you know, during that losing streak, it sort of felt like. Um, Rutgers was, I, I guess, starting to lose control of their destiny, but a three-game winning streak to come off of that rough spell, getting them right back on track, you know, got got an ugly but ultimately a win over Northwestern on Sunday, um, blowing out Michigan State. Now they'll face a Minnesota team that's been reeling lately uh, but still poses a lot of talent, poses a lot of problems. Um, so... You know, I I think Rutgers, if they go four and four, they're going to be in the tournament. So I think they have the opportunity to really uh, take control over these next few days. I got to say, getting Northwest, I mean, uh, excuse me, getting Minnesota after blowing out Northwestern and watching Minnesota get blown out by Purdue. You know, I think the Knights are hitting their stride at an important time in their schedule. You know, they've got Minnesota, who was just ranked. They're not ranked anymore, but they just were. Iowa, who's a top five, 10 team in the nation. Um, I know they have Northwestern again, which, you know, as much as everyone likes to say the big 10 is a buzzsaw, you know, you have to beat those teams to make the tournament. So I like Rutgers chances. If you're going to say four and four, I think they're in because I think they definitely go four and four over the next eight. They might go six and two over the next eight games. They look good. You know, they keep playing defensively. They keep playing as a team. You know, not a lot of teams are going to be able to beat them scoring 40 points a game. Yeah. Rutgers really holds its future in its hands with, which I love as a fan. Chris, you said it, you know, a 4-4 four and four record is, you know, kind of the minimum what, what is needed to get into the tournament. We're looking for better than that. I, Dylan, I like what you said, 6-2. and two. This team is, it's a good team, it's a strong team, and they're getting better, doing better at rebounding, playing better defense. Uh, you know, they're, com- they're coming into their midseason form right now. So, Dylan, you, you hit it right on the head when they're coming in stride. 
midseason form. Steve Pico coaches a second half team, second half of the season, and they're coming out strong. I mean, they're already projected to be around, depending on who you ask, a seven or an eight seed already. Um, so four and four, I think, pretty much cements where they are right now. Um, what would really tip the scales in their favor is if they get, you know, even if they do go only four and four or five and three, if one of those wins comes against either Michigan, who, ha- who I, I think that's a big opportunity because Michigan's going to go probably three weeks without playing. Um, and, and there's some evidence to suggest that teams, when they come off of prolonged uh, uh, COVID pauses, they usually tend to perform about four to five points worse in terms of margin of victory or margin of defeat relative to how they would have if they hadn't gone on pause, which you know isn't really surprising. You get a little bit rusty after not playing for a while. Uh, but I think that's an opportunity. Or a team that I think we match up pretty well against in the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, we'll be taking, on, taking them on on the 10th. And I think that'll be a big opportunity for Rutgers as well. Yeah, Chris. Um, I think this Rutgers team, you know, has an opportunity to do a lot of big things, you know, especially when Miles Johnson is going to have performances like he's had. He's had five blocks in the past couple of games, you know. They've really just been stifling on the defensive end. And it is against some lower-tier Big Ten teams, I agree. Michigan State is not a top-eight Big Ten team, and neither is Northwestern. But, you know, these are the teams that Rutgers needs to continuously beat if they're going to be a contender in the Big Ten, like we like we were saying they were after the Illinois game. You know, this team has the potential to beat anyone in the Big Ten on any given day because of the way they play. So I think they have a lot of opportunity this season, you know, the season seemed lost a couple weeks ago, but, you know, it seems found again. And I think the team is, is reciprocating this energy from the fan base, and they're excited to go out there and win basketball games. Yeah, and let's talk about uh, Geo Baker for a second. You know, the guy, he had a slow start, and he first game he had an ankle injury. Uh, he's gotten better each game he's played since he came back. And, you know, it's no surprising to see that uh, – Geo Baker, you know, alongside other guys like Jacob Young and Miles Johnson, but they're really leading the charge for this uh, Rutgers Scarlet Knights team. And uh, it's no surprise to see Geo Baker, the senior, the captain, um, really at the forefront of of this uh, charge because you know that's that's the guy that's been here you know, for four years. He's been pounding now nails as long as anyone has. So. Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I really love seeing Geo Baker and the way he's playing right now. And also, Ron Harper Jr. is getting his game back so, slowly but surely. His shots are starting to drop, um, maybe not as consistently as we would like as fans, but they're, they're dropping. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Yeah, and I think that, you know, Rutgers, at the end of the day, if you look at the advanced analytics, go on like Bart Torvik, for instance. I, that's my personal favorite, mainly because it's free, but it's also very high on Rutgers. So those two things, when you put them together, uh, are pretty good in my book. Uh, they've got Rutgers in the high 20s right now, uh, and they're projected to be a seven seed. Uh, so, you know, uh, as long as they don't completely fall apart over these last eight games, I think they're in the tournament. I think it becomes more of a question of where they seeded. I think this team is talented enough to be better than an eight seed. I think it could be a seven or maybe even a six if the cards uh, get dealt the right way. Um, but I, I, 
generally, I'm just excited uh, about where this team is headed. Um, I feel like they this new lineup they've had going these last few games has really rejuvenated them. I feel like there's a newfound energy, a newfound confidence uh, about this team. And, you know, when Rutgers is on its game, it can beat anyone in the Big Ten and anyone in the country. Uh, so why not us? Why not us? Chris? Yes. I love it. That should be our slogan. We should give that to fans at the rat. Oh, wait. It's like the it's like the opposite of uh, why always me why not us yes I think instead of you know putting the slogan on T-shirts for you know fans at the rack instead of uh you know just a picture of James Gandolfini we could just put James Gandolfini choking someone and you know that guy could be saying why not why not us you know (laughs) classic Tony Soprano that's classic Jersey that's in your face I like it I like it exactly why not us Chris yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. So, man, it's going to be fun tomorrow night. Uh, we've got, uh, let me just uh, illustrate what our coverage plans look like for that. It's going to be a little bit different than it usually is. Uh, normally, we cover every men's and women's basketball game in full. Um, unfortunately, due to scheduling conflicts, it's not going to be entirely the case. So, um, because we are the flagship station for Rutgers women's basketball, the only station to cover every game. Uh, we're going to have their full game at Indiana uh, at 8 o'clock. Schmid and I will be calling that from good old Studio A. Uh, women's team will be out in Bloomington. Um, and the men will be tipping off at 9. Rashad will be providing updates during the first half. And then uh, in the second half, we're going to have uh, we're gonna switch it over to him, and he'll give you full play-by-play down the stretch. So um, we're going to have all things together, probably close to three hours of Rutgers basketball between the two games. So should be fun. Should be a fun time. And, you know. I want to keep it here at 88.7 FM for that, for sure. So you mean to tell me, Chris, if I turn on Big Ten Network for the men's basketball game, I have to listen to them mention Miles Johnson being an engineering student probably three times in the first half before I get to listen <laughs> to you guys call. I mean, yeah, BTN needs to uh, come up with some new material. Uh, maybe I'll tweet about that. I don't know. Um, Did you guys know Ron Harper's junior Ron Harper Jr.'s dad played in the NBA. He won five NBA titles. Yeah, I don't know if the 15 references by Steve Lombardo would have... Or I could do it even better. Did you know that Jacob Young's dad played with Phi Slamma Jamma? Oh, my goodness. It's true. No one one talks about it, but it's true. That's cool because they're also connected because they lost to to Jim Valvano and I don't know. Phi Slamma Jamma's cool, though. He played with Akeem. No, that's cool. I'm, like that's, it is legitimately legendary. cool. It'd be cooler if they didn't mention it every ten seconds, but oh, absolutely! It'd be cool if it was pulled out like once or twice a game. But come on, no. The thing is, they pull out each one that okay. Miles Johnson is an engineering student twice a game. Ron Harper Jr. Oh, by the way, his dad is Ron Harper. At least twice. As a if game. you couldn't tell by the fact that his name is Ron Harper Jr. and he's also right. really good at basketball. Exactly. But you can kind of be inferred. Like, I didn't need anyone to tell me that Todd Bowles Jr. is Todd Bowles' son when it says Todd Bowles Jr., linebacker out of Tampa, Florida. Like, come on. Like, it's kind of obvious. Right. It's kind of like, it's kind of like, a, what's that, uh, LeBron James. He's like, I don't want my son to be known because of me. Well, his name is LeBron James Jr. <laughs> so, and the kid's a, a great basketball player, but he's LeBron James Jr. All right. So, just like Ron Harper Jr., Probably going to be six times during LeBron James Jr.'s games that 
oh, did you know his game? His dad was LeBron James. Yeah, I mean that's that's about uh that's that's I I love how paradoxical that is. Before he was yelling at Karens on uh, the courtside seats, he was giving his kids names that would lead to the exact thing that he didn't want them to become. I don't know. I find no. that kind of funny. No, I, I find that whole Karen situation hilarious. <laughs> um, we talked about it last night on uh, the Tuesday crew. The uh, the age range between the Karen and the uh, grandfather, I mean husband, um, <laughs> is a little disturbing, to say the least. I, I'm beginning to suspect ulterior motives. Oh, you're you're the only one. <laughs> I know, very Stephen Bardo asking me, but um, stating the obvious sometimes. Uh, hey, but... At least she she's willing to stand up for her man when he can't. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You would think, um, given how that man is built, he'd be a little more assertive. But he needs he needs courtside Karen to stand up for him. I, I thought that whole thing was so bizarre. It was it was so funny, and LeBron James is in the right, by the way. LeBron James is one hundred percent in the right. Oh, oh, no doubt. Um, I also thought what I thought was really funny was um, Richard Jefferson followed her on Instagram and liked all of her posts. Richard Jefferson, <laughs> that guy. You know, I love that. I love that guy. Not only is he my favorite basketball player of all time, uh, from like ever like being a little boy, but that guy stirs the pot, man. He is great. Uh, he is great. Some people just want to watch the world burn. And one of them I is Richard, Richard Jefferson. Jefferson. Yup. Oh my goodness. In, how about like the, you've seen the clip of him dunk? Uh, dunking on Kevin Durant and just winking at him. It's great. Oh, it's it's amazing. The fact that, uh, I mean, I love that Yes, like, brought him in and now ESPN's starting to give him some stuff and, you know. But I love that um earlier on, uh, I believe this was last year, ESPN asked uh, Richard Jefferson to do, like, Full time, and he was like, "Nah, I'm yes network first. Like, I'm I'm a net." I'm like, "Okay, I like that." Yeah. You know, I really like the uh, nugget that Dylan McCoy said before about uh, Five Slamma Jamma. You know, Jacob Young's dad. By the way, his dad was on Five Slamma Jamma. In case you didn't know, um, they lost to uh, Jim Valvano's team. Obviously, Jim Valvano being a Rutgers great, so it all comes back full circle. I think that's really cool. Your family, yeah. your religion, and Rutgers basketball, and that's it. Yes, you know, you know what else I noticed? Because um, people talk about how Dallas Cowboy QBs end up being uh, good uh, color guys when they retire. For college basketball, yeah, I don't like Aikman. So, well, I know you don't, but uh, but people do. I'm not even saying I, mean, I do. A- Aikman's Aikman's not bad. I don't mind him. I I think. It's like it's tough when he's like biased. When when you see a bias, well, yeah, I mean, against your team, he's. I will say this though, he is. Um, I I think he's sort of brought down by the fact he has to work with Joe Buck. See, I think that's fair and not fair at the same time. Because I think Joe Buck is great at what he does. You like Joe Buck, so no, I don't. I don't like Joe Buck. I'm sorry. It's just I'm not going. I'm not going to say I like Joe Buck. Oh, okay. But I think he's great at doing play-by-play because not only does he do NFL, he does baseball. 
and he does basketball. So Joe Buck may not. Joe Buck doesn't what? he do basketball? Does he? I, I I'm not I'm not saying you're wrong. I I don't I don't think I've ever seen him do basketball. Right, I don't want to find out if you're right. I never <laughs> want Joe Buck ever call a basketball game. You no, know, I met, I think I'm mixing him up, him up with Kenny Albert. I'm sorry, yes. but I know he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kenny Albert he does, does everything. He's the man. Yeah. He's amazing. Kenny Albert, I think he's like the most underrated play-by-play guy in all sports. But Joe Buck, as much as you hate him or we hate him, for whatever reason, he's still the guy doing it. Yeah. So he, he's better than a lot of other people. That's that's fair too. That's fair too. Um, yeah, I, I just, but I I was gonna say like I feel like Jim Nance, for instance, who always been great, but I feel like he took his play by play to another level when he got paired up with Tony Romo. Like, who, who you're broadcasting with has an effect on how much the listener enjoys what you do. Fair or unfair, I feel like that's just how it is. Do you think Tony Romo kind of, you know, threw it in once he signed that big contract? No, I don't think so. Because I don't, I don't think I'm not saying he sounds bad. He still sounds excellent on the radio, on on TV, uh, doing color. But I, he's not as good as the first year. I feel like, but here's the thing, though, Mike. I feel like that's like, at least in my opinion, I feel like that's more a product of him being like a new thing the first year. Like he becomes like the shiny object, and like you're like, oh wow, this is so different and so new, and you kind of just I don't want to say take him for granted, but you kind of get used to it. It feels less special. I was going to say, this sounds like the Mahomes treatment because I still <laughs> think a lot of people like, a lot of people like Tony Romo, but they like expect it at this point. And it's the same way with Mahomes. Like, you know, a lot of people like him, but if he's not throwing 55 touchdowns a season, like it's an average season for him, which sounds ridiculous because of course it's absolutely ridiculous. But you see LeBron James average 25, five and five every night, which is insane. And no one, you know, no one bats an eye most of the time. So, you know, I'm not saying he's there yet, but I'm saying a lot of people like him. So I think a lot of people come to expect like like a, like a top, top quality broadcast every time from Romo. And that's unrealistic. You know, you can't be number one a thousand percent of the time. It's kind of like the uh, nostalgia thing with like Star Wars. You know, I'm a big Star Wars guy, but kind of like the nostalgia factor. I guess with uh, Tony Romo being his first year and me thinking that he's not as good as his first year. So, uh, 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 Chris, you're definitely right about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's just, that's just the way I see it. Cause I, I, if I had to pick a favorite color guy for football, that would be Tony Romo uh, for sure. But, um, but the point I was trying to make and back to what I, the point I was trying to make earlier was um, people know Dallas Cowboy quarterbacks is going on to be, color announcers for football. The college basketball equivalent are Rutgers assistant coaches. Because you've got Dick Vitale, Rutgers assistant when they made the Final Four. You've got Jeff Van Gundy, Rutgers assistant when they won the Atlantic 10 title in 89. A lot of people don't know that, but it's true. Um, then you've got, there's there's another coach. I think he was actually a head coach. I think it was Wenzel who is uh, on BTN. I think I have that right. Bob Wenzel. Bob yeah. Wenzel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not yeah. getting them mixed up. Yeah. So Rutgers coaches go on to be pretty good color commentators. So, you know, I feel like so we don't look, get enough respect. Look out for Brandon Knight. Look out for Brandon Knight. I mean, look, uh, having interviewed Peichel a lot of times uh, in our pregame interviews, 
I, I think, obviously, I wanted to stay the coach of Rutgers for a very long time. But if at some point he decided he wants to do something other than coaching, I think he'd be really good in a booth. Just my two, just my two cents on that. And I think if the job came down between Chris Sikonis and Steve Feichel for the color <laughs> commentary job, I'm sorry, I love you, Chris. Uh, no, I'm that's go I'm not a good Feichel. color guy. I I'm I don't know. I never. I always felt awkward doing color for basketball because, especially on the radio, because you have to like be careful about when you cut in and what you say. Because if you talk too much, you the play by play guy misses the action. I never liked doing color. I don't know. It's just it's something I never really like doing. But Pico would be amazing at it. Curious how you feel. Uh, I know you never. Uh, I don't think you've gotten the chance. But uh, how you would feel about doing play by play or color for hockey? I, oh my god, that's like on my bucket list. I've got to like find someone to bribe to let me call a hockey game. I don't care if it's like fourteen year olds playing hockey at the JV level. I'll call anything. Um, because that's the one sport that, like, one, I would love to call, but I haven't gotten the chance to do it, and it's kind of, like, on my bucket list because, like, I love doing basketball, but I've done basketball so many times already. Uh, same thing with, I can't really say football because there aren't that many games in the season, but I've, I've done a decent amount of football. I've done a decent amount of soccer. I've done a ton of lacrosse, especially my freshman year, but hockey's, like, the last frontier for me. Um, so I would love to call hockey. Um, especially on the radio, because it seems like on the radio would be a lot of fun because it's such a fast-paced game. Chris, I, 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 I would love to do hockey. I'm more like, I don't know how you feel uh, about hockey, which you prefer play-by-play or color, but I'm definitely more of a color guy. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I prefer to watch the play develop and watch how the game happens um, and describe how everything happens instead of play-by-play doing exactly what it's what the title is but um yeah that's that's actually uh something that i've really wanted to do but definitely the how fast the game is has always worried me yeah i mean that's more of a concern for play-by-play than color honestly because like for color you you just cut in when there's like either a break in the action or you know if uh they're changing lines or something or in the case of basketball, like, you know, a dead ball situation, something like that. Uh, or if Geo's walking the dog across midcourt, something like that. So, like, for color, I don't think the pace is that big of an issue. Play-by-play, um, play, though, it's like a completely different animal. Now, I, I, I was friends with the – well, I am friends with the guy who, who was trying to get Rutgers to go uh, Division One in ice hockey. Um, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, obviously that'd be that'd be very cool to see. Oh, that'd be unbelievable. Um, and just the talent that comes out of New Jersey, it, hockey wise, is is incredible. Uh, pe- people don't realize how talented of a state New Jersey is. Uh, when we're talking about hockey, in in particular, um, you know, you want to fence the garden. The state you probably start with, other than football, of course. It's probably hockey because the, yeah. the the talent pool in New Jersey is unreal. But you know, I know that there there's uh, still club hockey uh, at Rutgers. So hopefully one day uh, there is a you know Division One team at Rutgers, and and you get the chance or we get the chance to do some play by play color for hockey because that'd be really cool. 
Yeah, I mean, I would even do like like I said, I'd even do like a high school game. I don't know if it'd be on WRCU, but I would I would I want to get some experience doing hockey before I graduate. Uh just because, you know, more jobs, more opportunities, but it's also like I like watching hockey as a fan. Never played, but like watching it as a fan and uh it seems like a really fun sport to call. Yeah, I mean, uh Yeah, definitely uh definitely something exciting. Definitely different something that you've never done so yeah. I, I i like to hear your perspective on that we gotta we gotta do what we gotta do is we gotta like find like the right investor because that's what's really missing is the money uh to get rutgers in big 10 hockey of course you just gotta find the right investor who has the interest in it getting the facilities um i, I think you know putting a, a hockey arena next to the rack would be awesome because you can't fit it in the rack obviously but that that would be unbelievable if we can do that and obviously, oh, we would uh, call the games on WRSU, but that goes uh, without of saying. Of course, of course, we, yeah. we we would be the flagship station for yes. Rutgers hockey. Yeah, we do we do a great job with everything we do. Not to toot our own horn, but men's and women's hockey, man, that's just uh, good to both be Division One. But yeah, I think WRSU probably probably like Chris Conis, you know, Troy Vizcano, probably some of the best uh, pretty guys there are. Not you know, Troy Dasavano. Dasamano. I I don't know about that. Uh, I don't know about that Astro kid who watches BTN doesn't listen to WRCU anymore. Oh, uh, it's a little messed up. The network is get... turning on itself. That, you know that was that was a clear shot at him, and I don't mind taking shots at him when you're gonna throw shots at us by tweeting that you're gonna be watching BTN. You're gonna give us Gus Johnson? Like, come on, come on, come on, Gus Johnson. That's Gus. Who wants to get on the Gus bus? Really? Come on. Worked out for the Ravens. Gus Johnson? No, I like him, but like. He's awesome. But don't you. But here's the thing, Dylan. Don't you want to listen to Rutgers announcers for a Rutgers game? Oh, no, 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 no. WRSU is the superior choice. Absolutely. That's what we're saying. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not saying I don't like Gus Johnson, but when it comes to a Rutgers game. I was like, I will send you a Gus Johnson highlight tape right now. No, I know. Like, I know. I, this slant, the slant. <laughs> March Madness coverage got worse when he uh, left CBS. Like, that's not even a question. Every coverage gets worse when he leaves. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think their soccer coverage got worse when they left. But other than that, um, I remember when that was supposed to be a thing where he was going to be, like, the voice of the World Cup. And then. I don't see it. He's, like, too, like, he's too much for, like, a slow pace game like soccer. Well, he did it for a couple like, of years. He did like the Champions League. He did the FA did Cup. He? Yeah, like you can oh. look up watching him losing his mind at Wigan Athletic winning the FA Cup uh, final. All right, that sounds awesome. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie that that sounds like something I need to listen to now. That sounds awesome. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, like if you don't want to listen to WRCU, all right, fine. At least uh, give some Rutgers announcer a shot. Like listen to Recco on on CTC if that's like your plan. I was gonna B. say, listen, oh, Recco's the guy. Recco's the man. So, Mikey, it seems like the play for you tomorrow night, um, if you're gonna watch the men's game start to finish, is first half listen to Recco, second half listen to us. Exactly. Yeah. If see, Gus Johnson's cool, but it's not like he's Ernie Johnson. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would love to see like an inside the NBA like college edition uh, at a Rutgers basketball early. game. Oh my god, yeah, that'd be cool. I just don't really want to want to see Shaq. Um, I don't want I don't want to see Shaq interviewing a guy like Cliff Moore. It'd be like, oh, you came in as a four star freshman, and 
but I don't think you have what it takes to get through the NBA. <laughs> what, what, what do you have to say about that? He should be giving Mama do that interview. He came in as a four-star freshman. Oh, man. I don't think you're going to disrespect it. people like that. I can't believe Shaq <laughs> said that. Like, that's so, like, out of character for him. He said, he no, it's not. He makes fun of every player that's, like, decently good. Like, Dwight no, no, Howard, no, no. he's had beef with forever. He beefed but with JaVale McGee. There's a difference. Making fun and poking fun at a player by shacking a fool. Oh, no, I love that. That's for comedic re- relief. You know, that's for humor. I think what he said to Donovan Mitchell and, uh, you know, was kind of just, it was kind of just like straight disrespect from from what I gained from it. I mean, what he said to Rudy Gobert, if I remember correctly, it wasn't really disrespectful. He was kind of like, I can't believe they offered you like five years, $200 million. Like, what was Rudy Gobert supposed to say? Like, yeah, I agree. I mean, neither can I, honestly. I don't know yeah. the max contract. No, but. I completely agree with you, but what was Rudy Gobert supposed to say? Like, oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. Five He's, years he is not like a good post game guy. Like th- having him ask questions during the post game interview like hurts it. Like I remember a couple weeks ago he did one with K D and K D was just like, Yeah. Because it was like a question that was like only a yes or no question. Well, K K D doesn't K D doesn't like the uh, inside the NBA guys. I mean, Rudy Gobert is terrible for post-game press conferences. Just ask Donovan Mitchell on COVID. Yeah. Touch, touching every microphone. You know, oh, he, that was like the good. original L. That, that was the original. That's when this. That's when this. That's when this madness all started. That is what start. That is what paused the NBA season. I mean, it would something would have happened eventually, but if Rudy Gobert doesn't touch that microphone. Rutgers probably would have beaten Michigan in the uh, Big Ten tournament. We would have gotten at least. I think we would have gotten at least to the end of the conference tournaments before they shut everything down. We might have gotten picked for the tournament. Yeah, and then the tournament gets canceled, which I would have been fine with. That would have been amazing. Yeah. All I wanted was that to was to see the name Rutgers in March Madness. I mean, I would have wanted. In a way, here's I kind of go back and forth on that. On the one hand, yeah, would have like officially cemented we were selected, but we just didn't play. But at the same time, you want to see like, oh, Rutgers seven seed, so and so ten seed, be like, damn, we could have won that game and gone to the second round. Like that, that would have been like, what could have been? I mean, that that kind of is still true, but it would have been more so because it would have felt more real. I guess I don't know. Listen, I think no matter what, when you're talking about the NCAA tournament, no matter what happens, whether let's not talk about COVID, whether you're in the tournament right and you lose in the round of thirty-two, you're always going to be thinking, oh, could have been more. So I that's mean, fair. It, it's it's kind of a toss up either way, although uh, I see Dylan's point the most. Uh, how it goes, I wish they were selected for the tournament. Uh, that among other things was kind of the most important thing for Rutgers to kind of get that monkey off the back, off their back that they haven't made the tournament in so many years. So obviously, not getting selected is still kind of a Kind of a ghost is still kind of haunting them, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, it gets off our back at the end of this year. It should. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I, barring something unforeseen, I, I, I would, I would put money on them making the tournament. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Um, I, I think these last three games, winning these last three games was huge, uh, especially the Indiana win. You saw. I don't know if you guys saw Indiana uh, almost beat Illinois at home. Would have helped boost our resume indirectly a little bit more, but 
What about that last play? You're talking about when they were running routes? Yeah. Oh, I thought that was amazing. I think I think Lovey Smith should have should have tried to recruit <laughs> some basketball players. Yeah, I mean, I think Lovey Smith should have shaved his beard. Did you guys see, did you guys see James Harden throw a touchdown pass yesterday? Yes, yes I that... know you saw it. Oh at the end my of the god, game. that was amazing. Dylan, that, that Dylan, game was amazing. Dylan, you want to know a story about that about that touchdown pass? I would. I would. Don't, my over was two forty and a half. Got it right there. Oh, that's amazing. There you go, man. He didn't even hit the free throw, and you still got it. I was, I was stressing. And then James Harden came through like Eli Manning throwing it to David Tyree. It was I great. love the role he's taking. I love the role he's taking. It's crazy because oh. like he's technically the shooting guard, but I feel like he's a better facilitator than Kyrie. He's a much better facilitator. It's than kind of Kyrie. crazy to think about because everyone thinks of James Harden, and it's, and it's an unfair perception. And I'll admit, I before he came in the Nets, I kind of fell into that trap at times as, as well. But there's this perception that he just throws up 40 shots and that's it. But that's not his game at all. Like, he he distributes the ball tremendously well. He's a good rebounder. Um, his defense isn't very good, but neither is anyone else on that team. I feel um, like that's no, his no, game no, no, when no, he Chris. doesn't have talent around him that he respects. Like, he respects... James Hard- yeah. Um, James Harden's he respects Kevin Durant. Game. He respects Kyrie Irving. Yeah, no, you're right. So. James Harden's defensive game is not that bad. It's actually average, to be honest with you. It's especially better now than prior when he was on Houston and the game plan was dictating his style of play where he was putting up 40 shots and was using all that energy on the offensive side. I I think he's a better defensive player than he gets credit for. I'm not going to say he's an all-NBA defensive team, but I don't think he's that bad of a defender. I mean, it's kind of like when the team is like, and I and I love the Nets. I think they're they're going to be pretty, uh, pretty deep into the uh, NBA playoffs. But but that def- that team's defense just as a whole is problematic. They don't even need to be a good defensive team. They need to be not the worst in the league. Uh, and I feel like they would be a much more solid pick uh, to go all the way. They need to not play Jeff Green at the center more minutes than DeAndre Jordan plays at the center. Well, the problem is DeAndre Jordan just isn't that good anymore. DeAndre Jordan has been playing much better as of late. I think he's actually started trying now. Yeah. I mean, but I think it's, I'm not even saying it's a question of effort. I just think at at his age, you know, he's not as explosive as he was. um, And I feel like, I feel like we need, and you know, as, as much as I wish we saw Jared Allen, I kind of understood why they dealt him. Uh, we need like a younger center who maybe isn't as good as Jared Allen, but someone who can like be a tough paint presence. And I think Sean Marks is going to pull something off. I don't think that this Nick roster right now. Claxton? Nick Claxton. Nick don't Claxton. About Nick, Nick Claxton. I, I feel like I feel like he doesn't get enough respect though. No, he doesn't. He doesn't really play. That's that's what I'm no, saying. He he's still injured. Is he still injured? He, he's still injured. He should be coming back. Uh, in mid February, I believe. That'll be an interesting. Uh, that'll be an interesting get for them. Just in the middle Trust of the me, season. If Nicholas Claxton was healthy, I don't think Jeff Green would be trying to guard Serge Ibaka in the post. No, no shot. That 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 is a pure mismatch. Because like you don't need like when you have like three of the best, well, two guards and a forward really with Kevin Durant. 
You have three of the best offensive players in the game. You don't need, like, a superstar center. You need someone who can just be tough, get rebounds, defend, um, you know. like. And Nick Claxton, I think, has the ability to be that. I, I do think that they want someone with a bit more experience, though. That's why I think you hear rumors about them, you know, calling for Javal McGee and others, uh, trying to find someone with that experience. And I wouldn't be against bringing someone like that in, but, you know. The Nets, I think the Nets like need to fill in a couple small holes before I can really, really feel comfortable with saying that they'll be in the NBA Finals, if that makes sense. I think if they, if Andre Drummond gets bought out and they sign him, I think that'd be the jackpot for the Nets at the center position, at least. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Is that a possibility that he gets bought out? I feel like he has pretty good numbers. Like, he he's has, always putting up, like, 20, 20 games. Like, he's always doing ridiculous things. He has great numbers, but the problem is he's getting paid a lot, and they have a lot of young centers on that team. in Jared Allen, Larry Nance, don't forget Kevin Love is still on that team. So there's a lot of young guys they want to give minutes to, and that would be the only reason why. It's... It's not really a detriment to Andre Drummond's play because, like you said, his numbers are are very good each and every year. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't see. Excuse me. I don't see the uh, the buyout happening, but I definitely think the Nets like obviously need some help at center. As much as Javale McGee is like the prime Shaq and a fool candidate like all time, he's a really good player. He was a really good player on a championship team last year. And if the Nets got him, you know, just having that late postseason experience would be huge for them. And having actual center like JaVale McGee would be huge for this offense. Yeah, I think, I mean, JaVale McGee is also a guy who, like, you know, he played for the Warriors. He has that experience playing on a winning team. I, th- I think that's kind of like, it's not something that shows up in the box score necessarily, but I think, I, I think it's pretty valuable. Too. It's very valuable. Which is why I also did like when they brought in Jeff Green. No, 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 no. That that's nothing against Jeff Green. No, I know. I'm just saying playing him at center is not a problem when you're doing a small ball lineup, especially with Kevin Durant at the three or the four, right? But when your small ball lineup is your starting lineup and it's your main lineup for majority of the game, I, I know obviously there's substitutions. Uh, Jeff Green is not a center. He's, he's, a, he's a four. He's a four. You need, you need a guy that, that's much bigger, that's bigger than Jeff. Yeah, I, I mean, they're trying to turn him into P.J. Tucker, and that's just not his game. I, I feel like that's the problem. P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza, those are those yes. are two Rockets yes. I would like to have on, on the Nets. I, I would, I agree with you. I would take either. One of them. I, I think Tucker would be a better, a better fit than uh, than Ariza, but I'd, I'd be down with either one of them, honestly. I agree with you. I, the only thing I think P.J. Tucker pl- actually plays right. Like Tre- Trevor Ariza hasn't played because I believe there's a dispute with his contract or something like that. Has P.J. Tucker been playing? Let me see. I think he has. Um, hang on. I don't know. They have an actual. Yeah, he's now, he's played. So. Uh, he's played nineteen. Uh, he started nineteen games. He's averaging. Not, he's playing like thirty. Has Ariza played? Uh, good question. Hang on. I'll I'll pull that up. I've got got all the analytics here. 
getting to the Googles. Yes. The bright spot of that team this year has been Christian Wood. He has looked amazing. Oh, he has looked great. And I think uh, getting Victor Oladipo is going to work out for the better for, for the Rockets for sure. Let me see. Yeah, I like Oladipo. He's a, he's a good player wherever he goes. I don't see Ariza on the roster. I don't think he's on them anymore. Oh, now, ooh, is he a free? Is he a free agent? What 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 is he? He's on the Thunder. He's on the Thunder. Yeah, I I kind of missed that. I don't know yeah. when that happened. Oh, I that, like it. Did that did that happen in the in the Chris Paul trade? I think it might have. Well, he jumped around a bit actually. He went to. He bounced around between Phoenix, Washington, and Sacramento before he and then Portland. Yeah, he'd been he'd been bouncing around for the past like year and a half. Just kind of weird because he's like way better than that. Well, didn't Sacramento give him a nice contract? If I remember correctly, I think they did. Yeah, two year deal, twenty five mil. Yeah, that, that's a nice contract. And then they traded him for tr- Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver. <laughs> they realized that is not a good contract to give to a player of his age. Yeah. Basically, he was traded to the Trailblazers in January, uh, played for like six weeks before the season shut down, and then he opted out of the bubble. Um, and then he got traded uh, to the Thunder for Robert Covington. So Which, that's a nice trade for the— that's, uh, that's a better haul than Ken Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver. I mean, what are you doing, right. Sacramento? I think, uh, that, yeah, that that's a very nice move for the Blazers. Yeah, for, for what they want to accomplish, definitely. For sure, for sure. Uh, Rocco's thinking, very underrated. Who? Rocco. Covington. Yeah, oh, for sure. Um, but I think that I think that backcourt of, you know, Dame Lillard and McCollum, as much as it talked about, it's still underrated. I, I think Damian Lillard's one of the best players in the NBA. Like, period. Oh, he 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 also does not get enough respect. And I also what I what I like about him the most, and I'm it's very hypocritical for me to say this as a Nets fan, uh, is his loyalty to the team that drafted him. Yep. Like he's he's a gamer. It's a rarity in today's NBA. I feel like everyone's trying to team up with someone else. Everyone's trying to force their way out. But him and uh, McCollum have done something pretty special in Portland, and I hope that they can get the missing pieces they need to compete in the West. It's going to be very hard with the Lakers um, doing what they're doing, but, you know, they deserve it. Well, CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard have one very crucial thing in common, which leads to their loyalty. Uh, Damian Lillard was not a heralded recruit, went to Weber State, I believe. Weber State. Weber Weber State. State, right? C.J. McCollum was also not not a very high touted recruit when he went to Lehigh. So those guys, they're used to not many people believing them. So I guess when there is someone that takes that chance on them and does believe in them, I guess it's it seems to be very important to them to remain loyal. And like you said, Chris, that's very hypocritical of us as Nets fans. But that's something I love to see in, in any sport, not just the NBA. I mean, we could have drafted Lillard if we didn't trade away all of our draft picks. But well, no, 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 no. We would have drafted Lillard. It wasn't in the Celtics trade. Remember, we got we got the. Well, no, it wasn't in the Celtics pick. trade, but it was Brooklyn's pick originally. Yes, yes. I don't uh, remember what trade a, it was in though. We got good old Gerald Wallace. Oh my God! 
Oh my god, that yeah. was such. I, I mean, compared to we gave up like, like very bad players to get him, like Mehmet Okor and Sean A. Williams, but oh my goodness, not worth giving up the chance to draft Dame for Gerald Wallace. Well, remember, do you, do you remember the reason why the Nets traded for Gerald Wallace to keep Darren Williams? Yup, and uh, <laughs> that worked out great. Oh my god, like. I've never seen someone like go from being like like people talked about Day, uh, about Darren Williams as like the heir to Chris like I wouldn't say the heir but like there was a legitimate debate in like 2009 2010 saying who's the best point guard in the league is it Chris Paul or is it Darren Williams like that was a legitimate argument it was it was a very legitimate argument he was averaging 20 Darren, and 10 in Utah it was ridiculous Darren Williams in Utah was unreal. And and people don't realize uh, how just how good that Chris Paul on, you know the the Hornets was also, or yeah the Hornet, formerly Hornets now Pelicans right. You're talking about New Orleans. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. They did it's that weird thing where they kept their name when they moved from Charlotte, and then the new team in Charlotte had a new name, and then they like switched names. Like it's weird. Very yeah, weird. Yeah. Very very confusing, but. Darren Williams, he took that team to the Western Conference Finals, and the second-best player was Carlos Boozer. <laughs> Carlos Boozer was a solid player, don't get me wrong, but for that to be the second-best player on your team, God help me. I wonder, is, I, I mean, you don't see that in the NBA either, where, like, a single star, I think the closest comparison, but even, I think LeBron they were more talented. It. Well, LeBron no, I'm saying it. today's NBA. Like, oh. like you can't really say like, um, I, I think I mean, the closest pair, yeah, Ka- the Kawhi. But even then, I feel like his supporting cast was still better than having your second player, best player, being Carlos Boozer. Of course, I mean when you're going to talk about guys carrying a team to the finals, obviously there's going to be LeBron James and what was that, 2010, I believe it was. And 2007, they got to the finals. Yeah. That team was awful. Oh right, right. 2010, he was on the Heat. I'm sorry. And then you're going to talk about Allen Iverson carrying that, that god-awful uh, Sixers team to the finals. The second-best player on that team was a guy named Eric Snow. I mean... I think Kawhi is comparable to that. He was just so far and ahead the best player on that but team. Here's, Ka- yeah, like, here's, Kawhi is... Go, go ahead, Chris. Here's why I disagree with that is because the difference here is we saw what that team... That, that team was largely the same outside of DeMar DeRozan the two years before they got him. They were still a very good team. They they weren't like, you know, Kawhi got them from very good Eastern Conference team to NBA Finals and ultimately champions. Because um, he but, was their only star. Yeah, but the they only, were. Like, but here's the thing. When, Ky- when their team. two best players were Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, they were still a very good team. It wasn't like they were a 40-win team and then Kawhi. Yeah, but think- they were a team. They were a team that would like, like they were LeBronto. They would get matched up with LeBron every year. Yeah, he would hit a ridiculous clutch shot in the series in like game four or five, and they'd lose in five or six. Yeah, but but um, but you get my point though, is that they were like a very good team without him before they got him, and even the year after he they left, were- they were still good. Yeah, but right. like if in if you era- if you took that Jazz team or that Sixers team going back a bit, like if you take the best player off that team, there's there's a good argument to make that they wouldn't even make the playoffs or they'd be an eight seed at best. I, I mean, think about this. When Jason Kidd got traded to the Nets, like the rest of that team, like they had some guys that I loved, you know, in hindsight, like Kenyon Martin, 
but you're not making the NBA Finals with Kenyon Martin as your best player, or Richard Jefferson for that matter, who I also love. You know what I mean? Like it's like you sort of get an experiment oh, get we see with the star and without saying. the star. I, I, I know I mean, it's kind yeah, of a convoluted at, argument. Look at the Raptors after Kawhi Leonard left; they're still a playoff team. Like they're like the four or five seed in the Eastern Conference. If you look at you know like like Chris said, the Sixers when uh, when AI left. Listen, Allen Iverson left, and Andre Iguodala, who was unreal on the 76ers, people don't realize, wasn't able to carry them the way Allen Iverson was. And then, you know, LeBron James, that Cavalier team, I think, wasn't it the second best player, a guy named Mo Williams or Anderson Perigas, something like that? Zildjurnas Ilgowskis, Big Z. <laughs> I think Zildjurnas Ilgowskis. Is, uh, is he the first player to have his number retired? No, I'm sorry. Did I know he's not the first player, but does he have his number retired by the Cavs? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. Should. Let me look it up. He probably should. Right? Because, like, I mean, I think Let the me only see. player I know playing for the Cavs besides LeBron. Yes, you're I'll right. Be, you're right. Is he the only player? The only player who played with LeBron or just in general? The only player in general. Or oh, no, there are, several, is, there are several. There are several on here. Larry, Larry I was going to say. There's yeah, Larry Nance's father. There's definitely a Craig Mark Elo, Price. Brad Brad Doherty. Nate Thurmond. But Zidrunas Elgaskas, though, is like the only other one. But like, Big yeah. Z. Big Z. Average 14 and 8 in his career. He's currently the special assistant to the general manager. For the Cavs? Yeah. Nice. Nice. More you know. Nice. I remember he had that one random year when he followed LeBron in Miami. Like the first year, I think the first year that he was, that LeBron was in Miami, Big Z was on there. The first year they put like a bunch of scraps together to create that team. Well, yeah. Being a great team. Like, do you remember the the one season? Who was the player that won five rings because LeBron? That's a good question. Uh, doesn't Anderson Barajal have like? No, 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 no. Barajal no. was on the, no, the OG Cavs that were garbage. It was James. No, Jones. he was. Yes, that's right. Oh yeah, I forgot about that guy. LeBron plays yep. with his friends. Yeah, that's it. I bet I I can imagine like Big Z follows LeBron to uh, Miami and Eric, Anderson Barajal's like Eric Andre outside the RNC and he's like, let me in. And LeBron just wanted nothing to do with Eric Anderson Varejao. <laughs> Who was yeah. the player? Do you remember the the uh, scandal with LeBron James's teammate and uh, LeBron James's mother early on on the Cavs? Does anyone remember who who that player was? That was Delonte West. Delonte West, yes. Oh my goodness, that that was a scandal, uh, to say the least. <laughs> And was Delonte yeah. West the same guy who was interviewed? Like, oh, what do you think about this LeBron James kid? And he was like, yeah, we don't need him. No, no. That was actually, I think that was Carlos Boozer, I'm pretty sure. No, what, was it Carlos Boozer? It was Carlos Boozer and Ricky Davis. And they were both like, like, what is he going to do? He's 18. Listen, and he I'll, ended up being LeBron James. I'll tell you what. If the Cavs kept Carlos Boozer on their team with LeBron James, they might have actually won a championship. Because Carlos Boozer is be- better than any second best player that the Cavaliers have had, other than obviously Kyrie Irving or Kevin Love. 
Yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. Do, do so. you think? Do you think Carlos Boozer taught a young eighteen-year-old LeBron James how to deal with the receding hairline? I think LeBron James just knew what he was doing from when he got drafted, and no one could tell him otherwise. And he was just like, "I'm gonna be the greatest player ever." So he he didn't yeah. he didn't get he didn't get any advice on how to deal with losing his hair and getting surgery because Carlos Boozer, we all know he uh, he had problems with his hair. Uh, I think he could offer some great advice to LeBron. I mean, I would kill for Carlos Boozer's hair, but that's just me. Um. Dude, Chris, Chris, you you have better hair than Carlos Boozer for now. I'm no Carlos Boozer was like 25. I mean, granted, uh, you're 21. I think Carlos Boozer was bald at, at 25. That's right. Uh, Carlos Carlos Boozer had a year where he did like a fake, like a real fake haircut. Like he put fake hair on his head and got a real haircut. Really? Yes. That's so weird. I believe it was when he played for the Chicago Bulls, but I, I could be wrong. Interesting. You want to talk about a player carrying a team? What about Derrick Rose? Yeah. Oh, man. I, I miss, like, I, I mean, it's not his fault, obviously, but I miss, like, vintage Derrick Rose from, like, 2010, 2011. Now, imagine imagine a Derrick Rose, you know, that, that never suffered from the knee injuries, of course. That's how we always imagine Derrick Rose. With a prime Jimmy Butler. That team is unstoppable. Oh, they would win. They would win. They would have like, they would have beaten the Heat. I I think. Because not not only are those two great players, but they're two great players that love playing defense. Yeah, yeah, I think you're 100 percent right. Um, what's really impressive is that we've been six, on the air for like 60 minutes, unstopped here on WRCU FM New Brunswick. Had to get that in because it's the uh, top of the hour. Uh, but we are going to undertake this challenge. We we didn't intend on this when we started the show, but we kind of just stumbled upon it um, where basically we are going to stay on the air for the full two hours without taking a break. I think we can do it and like still be good. We're, we're kind of just jumping around here. Chris, uh, this is your ship and we're sinking with you. I mean, it wouldn't be the first ship I've sink I've sunk yet, but um, you know, we'll 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 roll with the punches. So, hey, Chris, you're, you're, I know you and me both. I know you're not gonna play the sound in Zeta because uh, we're not gonna go to break. But does anyone have a lock of the week? I was actually um, I was actually Ooh. I was scrolling through and I found one. We can do that now if you want. You, if mean, you give me, you know, a, a all right. Let, let, Dylan's I'll, I'll got one that he lock. likes. He can go first and defend it while the rest of us uh, scramble. Okay, okay. Okay. All right. This is going to be pretty easy to defend because, A, he's playing at an absolutely MVP level. I would say beyond an MVP level. And, B, uh, they're playing Charlotte, and he's going to be deed up by Cody Zeller, which, if you don't know who that is, uh, listeners, I don't blame you. Uh, I am talking, of course, about Joel Embiid. Uh, his points over under tonight is 28 and a half. Uh, I think Embiid might score 40 points tonight. He has been the best player in the NBA over the first, you know, month or two of the season. And I don't see his performance slowing up against a Charlotte team that he should, he should eat on the boards and he should absolutely get great looks against Cody Zeller. So 
I like Embiid's points over this week. I like that. That's creative. It's not just I think this team's gonna win. I think that team's gonna win. You're 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 getting in there. I think that's good. Um I oh, got the Sixers are gonna win. Like well, yeah. do not bet on the Hornets. But... Well, no. Um I've got a uh I've got I think a good one though. Um Pacers at the Bucks tonight at seven on ESPN. Uh actually probably is about to start, but it still says it hasn't yet. Uh, Milwaukee minus eight and a half um against the Pacers. Pacers have started twelve and nine. Um they've got they they performed pretty well. Um like Malcolm Brogdon and DeMontis Sabonis have been, you know, really overperforming. Sabonis averaging twelve boards a game. Uh, I think the Bucks win this game, but I think the Pacers cover because the Bucks have underperformed relative to expectations, sitting at twelve and eight on the season. So that's that's my that's my lock. So, uh, yeah, I, this... I actually think they're under five hundred against the spread. So I was gonna Who, the Bucks? probably good, good. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're under five hundred against the spread. They've had very Ooh. close games with like teams they should be blowing out, but. Yeah, I like that pick even more, Chris. You got the analytics on your side. There you go. But uh, yeah, so I was I was looking at the spreads, and uh, you know I wasn't able to go through my player props, as you know, is is an easy lock for me usually, uh, not to brag, but uh, now the gambling gods are gonna come and strike me down where I sit, and I'm never gonna win again. But as I say this, uh, the Dallas Mavericks are favored by two points against the Atlanta Hawks. And to be honest, I think the Hawks win the game. Uh, you know, Luka Doncic has been playing well, but the Mavs have been underperforming. Uh, you know, Kristaps Porzingis uh, playing pretty good, but not to the expectations everyone thought. So uh, I think I'm just going to go out on a limb. I'm going to take the Hawks plus two. Uh, I think. I think if I was thinking correctly, I'd probably take the Mavs, but I'm not. So I'm going to go Hawks. I like that. I like that a lot. The Mavericks really have been underperforming. As as Lucas is probably averaging a triple-double right now, and they're still like probably going to scrape by and make the playoffs again. Yeah, you know, sometimes like when when you make when you make a when you make a little wager, you got you got to go with the flow. Other times you got to go against it, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, I get that. Here's an interesting question that was uh, that was uh, posed by our um, by our uh, broadcast administrator on Twitter. I'm so, I'm sorry, Gideon. Did you have a lock or? Yeah. Um. Sorry, I, I completely spaced on that. I'm sorry. No, no worries. First of all, I want to say I'm super impressed with you guys. I'm sitting at the board right now. And I keep <laughs> looking over at Chris. Like, do you want me to take this to break? I'm saying like you had you had your mic on. Like you 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 can talk whenever you want. There's no gag order on the board op. But all right. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. Good. I totally I totally spaced on that. That's that's on me. No, no worries. So for my lock of the week, I'm gonna stick with my trusty NHL. Um, Boston Boston Bruins are playing the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. Um, two of the most highly powered offenses in the NHL and, you know, absolutely in the Eastern Division. Um, so the over-under for that game is five and a half. Um, I could see these teams for sure going over that. Uh, with some of the offensive players on Philly, um, you know, they're just amazing with Sean Couturier. You know, you can't get past that. And then you look at Boston, you have Brad Marchand, uh, Bergeron, all these guys that could just score. You know, they have depth on all four of their forward lines. Um, so I could definitely see these two teams going over five and a half goals tonight. 
Gideon. I love that. You're really, you're really going right up my alley right there. I mean, if you wouldn't, if I was Robert Baxter, you'd probably be right up my alley. But uh, I love that take, and you know, you know me, I love hockey. No, I appreciate that. It's good to have some more hockey fans here. Always feels good. Hey, well, Chris is a, is an ally to us hockey fans. Uh, that I am. I'm not quite as into it as you two are, but I'm 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 trying to follow hockey more than I have in the past. Now, Chris, I th- I think you should give yourself more credit. Honestly, you you uh you're very up to date with the Devils. Um, yes. Whenever when, whenever I talk to you, you always know what's going on, and you're always giving me some information that I don't know. So yeah. That's uh, my knowledge of the rest of the league is not where it should be, though. Like, there's a big uh, drop off between the Devils and the rest of the NHL. If that makes sense. Well. Listen, you know me, grew up Rangers fan. I know. Now I have big allegiance to both teams. Right. Trying to pay attention to two teams is hard. Trying try, trying to pay attention to the rest of the league is nearly impossible. Yeah. So, uh, it, it, yeah. I, I think it would have helped if, like, the problem is the so much overlaps with hockey season that, like, it's kind of hard to, like, give any one league your full attention. Like, there's the NHL, there's the NBA, there's college basketball. Um, in the beginning part of the year, there's college football. Like it's just it's tricky. Um, but I'm trying my best. I'm trying to get better. I'm not I'm no Robert Baxter, but I'm 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 trying to trying to get better. This is also I mean, definitely a tough year to follow the entire NHL, just because all the games are conference games. So you're not really seeing guys, you know, any of the teams from the West Coast right. or the Midwest. So like, yep. you know, if you're a Devils fan or Rangers fan or Islanders fan, you're pretty much just seeing this. You know, you're kind of stuck with the teams on the East Coast, which is exciting because right. that's a great division. Um, but it's definitely, you know, I've not been paying attention to, you know, the San Jose Sharks, let's say. Just, you know, we don't play them this year. It's just hard to pay attention to that. Yeah. And yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like by the end of the year, I'm going to know way more about the Columbus Blue Jackets than I probably should. Um, but, uh, well, why, any, any specific reason you choose the Columbus Blue, Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, they're in, they're in the division this year now, unless I'm getting uh, confused. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're in the Eastern Division. Okay, all right. Then I'm not. Does, does it have anything to do with the big trade they just made? Uh, actually, no. I just picked them kind of at random, but yeah. Do you, that... do, you, do you know about the trade they just made? I, I I vaguely know. Give give it to me again. Um. So they had a center who they drafted third overall. Um. Actually, it was in the draft where Connor McDavid went one, Jack Eichel went two. A guy named Pierre Luc Dubois went third overall to Columbus Blue Jackets, and uh, long story short, he's been a great player, but he doesn't really get along with John Tortorella, as that's happened throughout his career. I know all too well, being a Rangers fan. Uh, pretty much, he won his way out of Columbus, so they traded him to the Winnipeg Jets for Patrick Line, who is a former second overall pick. Patrick Line is a certified sniper who's also a great player in the NHL. Didn't so, he want out of Winnipeg too? Uh, unless I'm I'm misunderstanding. No, you're one hundred percent right. Chris. Okay, so I know something about this. Look at you. You weren't giving yourself credit. You, you <laughs> should give you should give yourself more credit. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I try my best, um, but yeah, no, that actually nothing to do with that. I just picked a random team that you know I normally wouldn't know that much about, and there you go. Um, but um, our uh, good friend uh, Mike Pavlichko to sort of, sort of shift gears here in this show without breaks. Um, we come up on minute 70 uh, of us uh, doing this. Um, basically, he um, – hang on, let me get it up here. The question was, uh, what is the stupidest rule in sports? 
So I, I've got one in mind. I'm going to, I'm going to go around the horn between the three of you. Uh, I'm going to start with you, Dylan. What is the stupidest rule in sports? There's a lot of, there's a lot of, options. pick one. I think I am going to say the ad, the, the touchback fumble rule where if you're an offensive team and you fumble the ball out of the end zone, like the other team just automatically gets it on the 20. Completely. I don't know. Year. Like the other team didn't recover it. Like, like it's not like you lost, like you didn't technically like, and every other time there's a fumble, the offensive team gets it back. Like and if it goes out of bounds. So I don't not know why true. it's like so different if it's in the end zone. What do you mean? If the ball goes out of bounds and no one recovered it, it goes back to the team who had possession. Right now, what if it goes out of bounds in the other end zone? Not not when you're diving for the pylon. What happens in the other end zone? Well, it would be a safety. Right. So you're pretty much, if you're looking at the rule book from that perspective, you're gonna say, okay, if I fumble out of bounds, it's totally off of the ball. But if I fumble anywhere out of the end zone, it's going to be the other team's fault. Simple as that. I, I think. I have another one that I actually think is better. All right. Not having Let's a DH it. in the NL is the dumbest rule. There should be a DH in in both leagues. It's uh, dumb that they're always, not going to adopt that. Were you always a fan of the uh, dual DH? Yes. Like, oh, always I've always that? been a dual DH guy. I remember writing a paper in high school about having dual DHs, like, in my senior year. I, Chris, I... Chris, were you a dual DH guy too? I, I don't remember. I'm kind of like, I don't really care one way or the other, to be honest. Here's what I don't like about it. I don't like the fact that half of MLB can play under one rule and the other half has to play under the other rule. I feel like they should just pick one and stick with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I... I yeah, but that... that, that I lean towards dual DH point. just because I think having more offense is good for the game. It'll be good for the popularity of the game. It'll make the game more fun to watch. But I kind of appreciate the strategy of having the pitchers hit too. Um, I just don't like the fact that like the Mets have their pitchers hit. Like I, I know during interleague play, it, it's a little different, but uh, I don't like that the Mets have to have their pitchers hit all year, uh, while the um, while the Yankees don't have to at all, almost at all. So at least the Mets I, actually have pitchers that can hit. Yeah, we're lucky in that like regard. Two teams in the league right. that have pitchers that can like hit a decent amount of the time. Everyone else is pretty much like an automatic out when you get to that nine spot, which is why I don't think that pitchers should hit. Yeah, sports are so specialized nowadays. Why? Why fight it? See, I I kind of thought the whole point of the DH in the AL, no DH in the NL, was for home field advantage. Uh. Prior to the dual DH, uh, I think I said this, I was a fan of the no DH in the NL, DH in the AL, specifically for the home field advantage. When you're in the World Series and you play in an AL team's ballpark, now both teams have a DH. You're in the NL team's ballpark, now both teams' pitchers hit. So both sides are uncomfortable during the series, if that makes sense, at one point or another. Uh, that was That was why I was a fan of it, but after seeing both dual DHs, they had it one season. I think it's pointless to make make it a rule for a season and then take it away. I think once you make it a rule, you got you got to stick with it. Yeah, I'm with you guys on that. I think the lack of consistency um, just kind of ruins it either way. Um, you know, it is at at some point it is the MLB. Whether or not you are in the American League or National League, you are all you know you're all under one 
overarching league, and there should be consistency in all the rules throughout. That. It's yeah, because it's also you got to keep in mind it's not like how it used to be like in the old days when like there was no interleague play outside of the World Series. Like then I, I could understand it a little bit more, but like the teams are playing each other, so it's weird to have them play under one set of rules for like ninety percent of their schedule in a normal year, and then the other ten percent they have to. You know what I mean? Like it's just weird. It is more than ninety percent though, Chris. It's probably about sixty forty, maybe. Well, you, six, I, I mean, yeah, someone like but, that. But, but you I, get my I, point, I, though. I, I, yeah, I understand the analogy for sure. Yeah, and also, like, if you have a dual DH, like, then, like, you know, there are more hitters who maybe aren't great defenders um, that can, you know, have more opportunities too. So I think that opens up another avenue. It also it's an avenue for like players that were good defensively and good at hitting in their when the younger part of their career, but then when they get older, they can't defend as well. So, you know, I don't know. I'm just. I'm just spitballing here, but that's kind of how I see that. Yeah, bottom line, more offense is better for the game popularity anyway. So, yeah, here's here's mine, um, and I think this is this is kind of like what Dylan said about you know fumbling in the end zone going to the other team. Um, how do I put this? I kind of don't like. I mean, I don't like the fact that first off, I think that if it's like at the one yard line and then you like reach for the pile and it bounces out of bounds. Like, I don't think that should be a turnover. I don't, I don't know. I just, I feel like people don't really talk about it until it happens in a big game. Like it happened in the playoffs uh, with the Browns, but I always thought that was a dumb rule. Gotta be more careful with the football. I, I mean, I kind of see that. I mean, there's also, and, and I think this is an interesting counter argument that you don't hear a lot, but this is what I call the uh, Charles Davis argument because he makes this on Madden. I think he's done it in a real game, too. I don't know. Um, where, like, he argues that if the defense forces a fumble and it goes out of bounds, it should go to the defense. I mean, that's, like, a defender saying that, so take that with a grain of salt. But I find that perspective kind of interesting to think about, though. That is interesting. That would make the uh, game uh, more erratic because you would just have more turnovers. Right. So Now, now what, do you, what do you think about this? Similar, similar I guess, perspective come from a defensive player. You know how kind of a receiver will say, oh, defensive defensive pass interference should count for, you know, reception yards for me, for the offensive guy? Really? think about – Interesting. Yeah. Uh, there's wide receivers that think if they get a – if they draw a defensive pass interference foul uh, penalty that's, you know, say 25 yards downfield, they should get 25 yards added to their uh, yardage total. Which I think is... I, I hate absurd. that. I hate that. You yeah, didn't get the yards. Ridiculous. Like, that's a penalty. It's right. penalty yards. And, and it's also like the assumption there is, and, and maybe it's true some of the time, like that you would have gotten it anyway. Like, oh, the only reason that he didn't make that catch was because of interference when in reality, the only reason why... they're Like, for instance, if, say, I don't know, I'm just using this as a completely random example... Say Sam Darnold overthrows Brashad Perryman, uh, but he gets called flag for PI. Like, oh, that would never happen. No, never, never. Um, You'd underthrow him. Yes. <laughs> exactly. But the point I'm trying to make is that wouldn't have been a catch if it weren't for the – like, even if there was no PI, it still wouldn't have been a catch. But under that rule, they, they would be credited with yards that they didn't really earn. Like, that. that's what I don't like about that. I think that's interesting. Gideon, do you have one? Yeah, so I'm going to go back to baseball, and I'm not actually going to stick with a game rule. Okay. Um, I think my least favorite rule in sports is that Yankees players can't have beards. That's a rule? 
Yeah. Yes, that is. I had no- nothing, bo- nothing below the lip. Nothing below the lip. Exactly. George Only Steinbrenner mustache. said they could have mustaches, but no beards. Yeah, that is very antiquated. Coming, like, I don't get it. Like, I would have loved to have had Garrett Cole, Garrett Cole keep the beard when he came to New York. That would have been awesome. Exactly. That's uh, that's when the rules started to bother me. Once we signed Garrett Cole, um, you know, that's kind of his look. And then he had to come to New York and had to get rid of that. So, Gideon, did it did it not bother you that Bryce Harper said he wouldn't sign to the Yankees because he would have to shave his beard? And he would also cut his hair. You can't have long hair as a member of the Yankees. You need to cut your hair. Bryce as you Harper remember, Johnny that? Damon. He what? said that? Yes. Bryce Harper said part of the reason he didn't want to sign to the Yankees. Unless I'm wrong, I, I could very much be wrong. But let, let's let's go under the pretense that, that it is true. Would that have bothered you as a Yankees fan? That that is George Steinbrenner's uh, mo. That you know, we could possibly have one of the most overrated, possibly best baseball players, but overrated baseball players, in Bryce Harper. Uh, but he won't shave his beard. Like, what do you think of that as a fan? That's a that's a good that's tough. That's a. Really I'm sorry, good I I object to that on just civil liberties grounds. Like, I thought this was America. The idea that a baseball team in the 21st century can tell you that you have to groom yourself a certain way, either with the beard or with the hair, uh, and, and try to regulate how you present yourself. I'm sorry. That is so against no. what uh, this country stands for. This is America's pastime, and America is known for its freedom and personal liberties. And I, for one, am sick and tired of the New York Yankees trying to impose their value system upon others. But, Chris, I, mean, I mean, if any free agents don't want to deal with that, you know, they could sign with the Mets. Just saying. You do have Stevie Cohen. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, if I go to work at an IT company, or I mean, I would never do IT because I can't really use a computer. But besides the fact, uh, and they tell me I gotta shave, uh, you know, I gotta be clean shaven. That's what I gotta do. I remember working at Six Flags for like three months when I was uh, seventeen years old, and uh, I had to shave for that job, which was I thought uh, ridiculous. I don't really like it in any job, honestly. Oh, I completely agree with you. And as but especially in, like, pro see, sports, it's like, come on. Like, it's a game. Like, it's yeah. not even like you're working in an office or you're going in a courtroom if you're a lawyer or something. Like, it's it's baseball. Like, just let them right. do whatever they want. No, I agree with you. And, like, as a person with tattoos, like, you know, obviously they're not allowed in many offices and whatnot. You got to wear a long sleeve shirt. Like, I think the world should be more open to that. But, uh, yeah, I think instead of player signs to the Yankees, uh, they should keep their beard and their hair, and sign with the Mets. I think that was a great point, Chris. Yes, and we've got an owner ready to open the checkbook. Except when he loses money in the stock market. I mean, just be glad he wasn't like our last owner. And, you know, say what you want about Wall Street bets. It's not a Ponzi scheme, so I guess we could just leave it at that. That was the worst Wall Street bet in, like, human history was, like, <laughs> investing with Bernie Madoff. Oh, and listen, man. it's it's only allegedly that Steve Cohen was involved. No fact. No but fact, like he wasn't like, alleged. but he was the like. The Wilpons 100% were though. They were like named in like. Oh yeah, the Wilpons definitely stuff. were. Yeah. Yeah, screw the Wilpons. And they also kept the team for like a decade after they could afford to field an actual team. Remember when Steve Cohen wasn't going to get the team to like 2025? They like kept changing the negotiations on them. Yeah, I remember that. That was, they still control SNY, I think. Like, I don't think SNY is, like, under the ownership of Steve Cohen. I think it's still a Wilpon thing. You know another reason? Screw the Wilpons, Chris. Why? 
Cuz. So, you know, I have my charity hockey game every year, of course. And there's Devils and Rangers that play in that game because, because even though they may be rivals, they do it for the greatest sake of the good. They do it for me. Now, right. it's hockey, but the Yankees offer two free tickets for every ticket you purchase, you know, at, at my game. New York Red Bull also offer the same. I don't see the Mets doing it. Screw the Wilpons. Yep, the coupons. We need the coupons. Screw the Wilpons. <laughs> I'm I'm sure Steve Cohen will come through for you, Mike. Though, um, oh, I I, uh, I have tons of faith in Steve Cohen, but Boomer and him might may have a little bit of a rift. Oh, Mike I saw, I heard about that. When Milo just went on the stock market, so we we got to see about that. I'm Team Boomer till I die. I mean, how can you not like Boomer? Right? Yeah, I'm I'm a foxhole guy. You know, uh, especially as you can tell by I'm a Team Craig guy. You know, after what he did. Yes. I'm definitely a foxhole guy, but uh, team boomer till I die. Yeah, I mean, you're 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 spot on with that. I mean, yeah. God, God, God does everything right. I mean, he, he MVP for the he played for the New York Jets. Um, you know, he has a talk. He has a talk radio show in New York. Not just hang on, not just a talk radio show. The number one morning talk radio show in the country. Oh, not only that, he has many charitable contributions right. all across the board. He has his great foundation for cystic fibrosis. Uh, team Boomer till I die. That, that's, that's the uh, end of what I'm trying to say. Yeah, he's also done a good job. Like, and I know his son is like a, uh, a, a public health uh, expert, so like that helps too. But like, he's done a good job of like, using his platform to like, encourage people to be responsible during COVID. And I think that's helpful when people do that. Yes. Well, Gunner, Gunner, as you know, his son is, you know, has fibrosis. Yeah. And, um, you know, hearing the way Boomer speaks about Gunner, and I've been lucky enough to meet Gunner, and, you know, I, I've talked to him. I played Fortnite with him on the iPhone when that was such a thing, so that was cool. But um, hearing Boomer talk about the way Gunner's life was before and after this new drug that was put into his life, um, it is, it's really touching because you can see Boomer, you know, he gets very emotional talking about it because I don't, I don't think Gunner's health was the best before he, him and many other people in the fibrosis community got this life-changing drug. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really touching, especially coming from someone who has a disability and is looking for some sort of cure. So it's. It's very touching, and I love the the effort that Boomer Sison puts into the philanthropic things he does. And, and along with Kenny Albert, I think Boomer Sison may be the hardest working man in New York sports. Yeah, I, I mean, like both both him and uh, and and while we are like technically rivals in terms of play by play, I think Reco too doesn't get enough credit because he'll call a Rutgers basketball game one night, even if it's on the yep. road. Then the next morning, he's in that chair at six thirty. Going through sound. Yes. Like, it's crazy. Yep. No, you're 100% right. And, Jerry Recco doesn't get enough credit. And, and I'll say this. Also, as, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. He would also, uh, he was also the Dallas Cowboys uh, reporter for a very long time for WFAN. So he used to fly to Dallas or wherever they were playing on Sunday and then be in the chair on, at 6.30 in the morning. Uh, well, even earlier because him and Al have that show. And uh, he'll be there every morning. So, like you said, he's a very hardworking man. Yeah. And um, 
was I going to say? And, and I, this is something that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate um, with just morning radio shows in general. I interned for a morning news show uh, with Gordon Deal, who's a WRC sports alum. If a show goes on the air at like 6 a.m., actually, in my case, the show went on at 5 a.m., like the prep starts like when everyone is asleep. Like I, I would go into the yep. office sometimes at, as early as 3 a.m. And it, I know it's probably not that different for guys like Jerry or Eddie Scazzeri or even Boomer and Geo. Like Al Dukes, Chris. Yeah. Gets in. Al Dukes gets into the uh, station at one in the morning. That's crazy. Yep. Uh, unreal. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, Eddie Scazzari also Eddie Scazzari gets there around one in the morning. The reason why Eddie Scazzari gets there is because he wants to find a free parking spot <laughs> without tolls. That's the only time uh, of day in New York City where you could get a free parking spot. No, you're you're right, and uh, I am. Uh, I completely agree with Eddie Scazzari. You know, I would rather get a free parking spot than, than yeah. Free. I mean, but here's the thing, though, like when you work on a morning show, it was a little different for me because I had class and then I had, you know, WRSU sports stuff at night. So I was kind of team no sleep for a while. But if you if like that's your main job and like you're out of work at like 1030 or whenever they finish up doing what they have to do after the show, like. Just sleep during the day and then you can just vibe all night. That's what I would do, at least. No, you want to you want to talk about. uh, Well, my appreciation for people doing the morning show is. Their job starts at, let's say, if the show starts at 6 a.m., let's just say, you know, 4 a.m. Is a, is a nice time to pick. Their show ends at 10, 1030 in the morning. Let's say you have, have another hour of recording things for advertisements, commercials, whatever it may be, right? So you get out of there around 1130, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. The stuff you're reporting on doesn't start until 7, 8 o'clock at night and doesn't end until 1030, sometimes even later. Yeah. So if you're Boomer and you're watching a football game, Sunday night football, until 1130 at night, you got to wake up at 330 in the morning the next day. Uh, it's it's very tough. Yeah. I mean, yeah, even more so than, like, say, a news show where you don't necessarily have to stay up to watch, like, sports. Um, you know, that I think you're 100% right about that. But, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I, I mean – Having done it for a semester, and then I did some freelance stuff after that. Um, like the only, I would say the good, the, the other thing, and this, this kind of ties in with the parking is when I would go to work, there'd be no other cars on the road, so I would never hit traffic. Um, that's like a nice silver lining. I would go to get coffee, and like there'd be no line or anything. You just walk in and walk out. Like being awake when everyone else is asleep has its perks. So now, now, what do you what do you think about this? Uh, because guys driving in for the morning show, of course. There's no one on the road. Right. But when it's snowing at night, like it was this past, you know, this past couple of days, and you've got like Greg Giannotti who has to come in from Long Island to Manhattan at 3, 4 in the morning when there's no snowplows on the road yet or very limited snowplows, that is not a silver lining. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a problem. I, I mean, I actually thought about that. I'm like, wait a minute. How are they getting into the studio, like, to do it? I mean, I feel like here's the one thing, like, and this maybe this is a bit controversial. As someone who is into broadcasting and into, like, you know, news, sports, radio, like, I, I kind of wish that after the pandemic is over, um, 
we kind of like normalize having like people broadcasting remotely from different locations more. Um, like, well, like I don't like it. You, I mean, I'm not saying all the time. I'm saying like in certain situations, like for instance, like what we're doing right now. I'm in studio. Gideon's in studio. Um, Dylan and you are you are in your houses, and Kor would be too normally if he were here. Um, but like, say say we're on winter break or there's a snowstorm, um, we could do the show. Well, even when things are back to normal, we could do the show like this and still get on the air. Whereas the alternative would be to just cancel it. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like it has its perks. Uh, I, I I definitely agree. It does have its perks in certain circumstances, but I do know also that. So once Greg Giannotti or Boomer drove in from Long Island, I I bet Mark Chernoff or whoever at WFAN is paying for their hotel room for that next day because there's no way they're getting back to Long Island. I mean, there are a lot of empty hotel rooms uh, in New York right now, so. That's true. By the way, we're, we're on the WFAN topic. Did you see Mark Chernoff is retiring? I did see that. That's uh, that's very interesting. It is. I mean, he had been there for a long time, right? Uh, I mean, he's been there for, I think, like 30, 40 years. That's crazy. He was the guy behind Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh, you know, he was the guy between behind Boomer and Carton, behind all of it. He, he was, you could almost say he was the evil genius. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, to do what the fan has done and just be like the premier sports station in America, I mean, it's really impressive. Oh, it is a, it's a tough feat to do, as, as you know. Yeah, and especially since they were, like, the first, like, station to do it, and now there's, like, a million sports stations. But, like, they were, like, the very first, like, commit to it full-time. So, yeah, I, I have a ton of respect for what they what they did. Um, do, do you um, do you know uh, how Mark Chernoff sounds or, like, his personality or any of his mannerisms at all, Chris? Not, not too much, no. I mainly know him by, like, name recognition. Okay, so, like, Mark Chernoff is – a little fragile guy. Like, I think Boomer, like, I'm not joking. I think Boomer Sison gave him a hug one time and broke one of his ribs. Um, but, and he's got like a high voice. It's like, no, what are you doing? Come on, guys, right. don't do that. What do you think a uh, lunch or a dinner be- between Mike Francesa and Mike Turnoff was like? Okay, okay, listen. All right, I'm listening. Okay, all right, I'm the best. All right, you you're nothing. We're not gonna do ads. Uh, all right, all right. It's uh, I don't know something I would find funny. Yeah, like no, a, no, uh, I I I get what you're saying. That's a great conversation between the schmoozer and uh, <laughs> and Mike Francesa. Maybe maybe we can get uh Pab to uh to a schmoozer and Mike Francesa. Well, he maybe. he does that all the time. Like he's done that before. Can uh, he do Francesa? I don't know if he can do Francesca, but I do know he does uh, Steve Summers very well. Um, right, he did it. He did it on the air with us one time. That was the first time I heard it. I, I remember that. He's done it on Are You Screw a few times too. I kind of thought it was Steve Summers for a couple seconds, then I realized it was probably not. <laughs> well, I made the joke, and I was actually kind of shocked that I don't think anyone else. I forget who was on the show, but no one else knew what I was talking about. I made a joke about yep. Rutgers nope. was starting I at know nine. Exactly what you're. Oh wait, it was about. on our show last semester because I was like. Oh, yep. yeah, if the game goes past midnight, we'll have uh, Steve Summers host Nightline. And exactly. no one else knew who Steve Summers was. Yep. That, uh, Dylan was on our show. Dylan still has no idea who Steve Summers is. 
I mean, his really Dylan. Got to be I better mean, than that. You know what? Truly was right. Not a big sports down. radio guy. I gotta say. Okay. For as much as I, for as much as I want to be in the field, and like I obviously do want to be in the field. Like I really enjoy being on WRSU, but I don't know. Like it's something I want to get more into, but just when I was younger, I never found myself really enthralled with like the fan and stuff. Like I listen to the Michael K show, but that's like that's about as awful. far as I go. Awful. No, I love Michael. No, K. Michael K is so, not awful. I, I, I'm sorry, I disagree with that. He's not awful. Listen, uh, that that's that's my guy Craig's uh, competition. That that okay, all right. No, no, I, I, I like. Here's the thing, that's like the one time slot because I'm a very habitual radio listener. Mornings it's Boomer and Geo. Middle of the day it's uh, Levitard and Stuyats, who I think are amazing. Now that's like a podcast, but. I mean, I still oh, download that, it. That's what they did. They they turned it to a podcast. Yeah, because they're not with ESPN anymore, and they're like they're right. working with John Skipper to try and find like a new home. Uh, I my gut tells me they're probably gonna do something like satellite radio if I had to guess. But I mean, I'm just talking about my rear end. Um, I think you think Eric Spitz is gonna hire him as XM? I I don't know. I don't know about like the inside politics behind it, but I I think they're gonna end up on some form of radio because uh, right now they're just doing podcast, but. They're trying to build like a whole media company, and I find that like incredibly fascinating, both as a fan of Lebetard and also as someone who um, is going to be needing a job at some point in the future. Like, well, hey. I find it I find it fascinating that Stu Gatz um, had the creativeness and the wherewithal to think of a name as clever as Stu Gatz and get away with it for you know ten fifteen years. I just love the fact that um, he uh, he's a Jet fan who ended up becoming like one of the premier voices in Miami sports radio. Like he managed to just assert himself in a rival market. You know what I mean? Well, uh, yeah. It, well, Dan Levitard used to be on highly questionable, correct? Yes. That was like his side project. That, that, that show was, was terrible. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think he, but he, I think he said on the podcast and Troy and I have talked about this because Troy's a huge Levitard fan. Yeah, like, I think he did it on purpose. Oh yeah. He doesn't actually like doing TV. He's like, he was originally just a columnist guy, and then he became a radio guy. Um, but, like, he never liked doing TV. And I, I thought, like, while his father was awesome, uh, you know, and hearing him... See, uh, see, rap- I'm very intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It wasn't, it wasn't good, but the show was memorable. You got it. It wasn't right? like... But, like, it was kind of like you just watched it for the absurdity of it all. You didn't watch it because, like, oh, I want to hear, like, a really, really serious sports discussion. That's you know? a show on ESPN where you're on your phone for, like, 20 minutes. Well, yeah, it's just in the there. And, like, when the they do something down. quirky, it's like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, that's not... Yeah, but, but the radio yeah. show is totally <laughs> Dylan uh, Gideon. Have either of you do either of you listen to the Levitard show at all? I'm not. Just like Dylan, um, if I do sports radio, it's going to be the Michael K show. Okay, that's fair. I'm more of a sports podcast kind of guy. Okay, well then okay. Levitard's right up your alley because he puts he, his show is a podcast. He has like a couple side podcasts. You've got Stupidity. You know, you, you've got a, you've got a few there, so, so that might actually be more up your alley. Yeah, I'll definitely check Chris. that out. Yes. Chris, what was your introduction to sports radio? And Gideon, Dylan, I know you guys aren't sports radio guys, but feel free to chime in also. Uh, but what what was like your show? What was your introduction to sports radio? My introduction, honestly, it was Michael K. Even though I don't listen to him as much now as I used to. One, because of Carden and Roberts, and also just, you know, I'm not always able to listen to the radio that time of the day. Uh, that was like the first show I got into because it was also on Yes, too. So like I was kind of like already knew about it. 
Um, Because here's the thing. I am, in my immediate family, I wasn't, like, raised to be a sports fan. Sports was something I kind of discovered on my own. Like, you you know what I mean? Like, I kind of just, first I, I got into soccer as a little kid, and then the Jets got good, so I became a Jets fan. And then, you know, I was like, oh, we have a hockey team. I became a Devils fan. Then Nets, and then finally the Mets just to round it out. Um, and obviously the Red Bulls have been like my OG team before I liked any other team. But the point I'm trying to make is I wasn't like, I wasn't like, I didn't grow up like with my dad listening to the fan. Right. So I kind of discovered sports radio, uh, when I got older, like when I became a teenager and then, you know, a lot of it, I didn't really figure out until I came here. Like I almost never listened to games on the radio until I came to WRCO. Like it, it just wasn't something I did. Very interesting. So I, I kind of had to figure that out kind of on the fly um, when I became a freshman is when I really started critically listening to, all right, I'm going to listen to Bob Shoes during a Jets game. I'm going to see how he does what he does and see what I can pick up from that. And then the same thing with Chris Carino in the Nets or uh, Howie Rose in the Mets. And you, you know what I mean? Um, oh, Howie Rose, Howie Rose is phenomenal. I kind of wish he still did hockey on TV. Me too. But... Um... Uh, his his niche is baseball, and you you, well, you, yeah. can, you can really yeah. tell that. Yes. Yeah. yeah so for me, uh, my kind of introduction to sports radio uh, was Mike and the Mad Dog during the afternoon. Um, but in the morning, the guys before the guy before Boomer and Carton that said a terrible remark about uh, about the Rutgers women basketball team. We I won't mention him. Because we, we don't tolerate that disrespect for Rutgers. Right. But uh, I remember when Mike Breen was his update guy. Used to be known as Breeny just from WFAN. Now he is the voice of ESPN basketball. I, th- I think it is uh, amazing how people can grow and climb in the ranks of uh, professions in the world nowadays. Yeah. I mean... The fan, I feel like, is pretty good with that in general because a lot of the guys that became on-air talent like started as like board ops and producers, and then they kind of so built their is, way up. Is, so I love WFAN and WFAN. You're right. They everyone they not everyone. Most of the people they hire, they hire from within the company, and they also have a lot of interns. They hire a lot of interns. Yes. Do you know that WFAN doesn't do internships anymore, Chris? Actually, I think yeah, Dylan was I, the one who told me that. Yeah, you know I why, Dylan? They someone sued them. I don't know the story, right. but I heard they got sued. Do you know yep. the story, Mike? Yeah. Uh, like uh, oh, tell us. Because oh, yeah. I, you know, you know, shortly after my Boomer and Carton game, I think it was the second year, I went up to Chernoff and I was like, "Let me intern. Like, this is what I want to do." And pretty much, the long story short. Eddie Scazzari is the in, is the intern guy. Eddie Scazzari is the guy in charge of the interns. He's the one that teaches them all that. Eddie Scazzari ca- taught Greg Giannotti. Right. Eddie Scazzari brought taught Monzo. The list goes on. So it was always an unpaid internship at WFAN. Right. And uh, you know it was agreed upon, but since it was you know there there was never like well a lot of internships there's never really a contract signed, right? It's like you have this internship. And WFAN, you know, they did that. Long story short, they ended up getting sued by someone who who was an intern. Like maybe they were mad that they didn't get the job. Who knows? Uh, but they ended up getting sued. 
and not only ruined probably their future in sports broadcasting because I'm sure WFAN is never going to hire that guy on their airways and will do everything in their power to spread, you know, negativity about that guy. Right. But also ruined the future for a lot of us. Dylan, yeah. myself, you, Chris. Because uh, now WFAN no longer does interns. They don't even want to bother. I just want to meet Bob Papa, man. That was my intro. <laughs> my introduction to sports radio was whenever we couldn't catch a Giants game on TV. And Bob Papa would always be the voice on 660. And, you know, him and, and um, uh, who's the Giant that does that does play-by-play with him? Uh, is it Harry Carson, I want to say? Hey, or Carl Banks? Don't ask Chris. Don't ask Chris. Or, oh, it is Carl think, Banks, actually. It is Carl Banks. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it, I did know that. Yeah. But now they just do a good job. And I just remember being a little kid and listening to them. And that was, you know, I didn't really have like, like sports talk radio, but that was my introduction to sports radio was just listening to the giants all the time. And John Sterling too. You know, one of my best memories growing up is, you know, playing baseball growing up, uh, you know, travel baseball uh, from, from Monroe Township. My dad was my, was the head coach. And, you know, during the summer, the dog days of summer, we'd always be listening to the Mets games on the radios because we couldn't catch it because I was playing baseball, right? Right. So I, I remember the commercial on the radio. Um, I think it's still the same. It, it'd be, let's go, Mets, F-A-N. I'll never be able to forget that. Uh, I'm Maybe when I'm older and have Alzheimer's and forget my name, I'll probably still remember that. Well, that went dark really quickly. My my life is very dark, Chris. I'm I'm a Jets fan, you know. That's the worst part, really. One hundred percent. That one hundred percent is the worst part. <laughs> it, it it really is. I mean, I we're mean, coming on. It's going to be ten years now. If they don't make the playoffs this year, it'll be ten years since they made the playoffs. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, uh, let's, let's see. Ten years ago, I was fourteen years old. I think um, I I think I had my my first encounter, like serious encounter, with a female at about fourteen years old. That's what I remember about ten years ago. <laughs> not 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 Rex Ryan, and uh, and his foot fetish. Or the, you didn't get a tattoo of her in your quarterback's jersey. That might be the no. biggest L in NFL coaching history. You get, get a quarterback. You get a quarterback tattooed. Wife in a Mark Sanchez jersey. But not to mention, it's a jersey of a quarterback <laughs> that two years later would not be in the NFL. <laughs> like that's the funniest not, part. Like uh, it's one thing. Like, I mean, it'd be weird regardless, but it would have been a lot less weirder if Mark Sanchez like won a Super Bowl with the Jets. Like then you're like, all right, I kind of get it. If you got a Tim Tebow tattoo, like at least he's like a college legend. Like Mark Sanchez had like. An average college career at USC. He was, you know, a big physical guy, and that's why he was a top 10 draft pick. Where have we heard that before? Every USC quarterback ever since since after Carson Palmer. Well, Mark Sanchez is a very good analyst for college. Oh, no, he's great at that. Oh, he is good. At, I'm know, talking strictly as a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, if I, I you want analysis part... at 12 a.m. on a Saturday, Mark Sanchez is your guy. Pac-12. I wonder if he ever got that tattoo removed. The worst part about that Rex Ryan tattoo is that Rex Ryan never even believed in Mark Sanchez as the quarterback. 
That's kind of crazy to think about. And why did they yeah. trade for him? Uh-oh, Chris. Chris. I'm sorry. I have to break this. I, I just got a report from Bleacher Report. Uh-oh. Uh, I, I don't like this. Texas Whoa. quarterback does not have NY at top of the list and would welcome a trade to several teams contrary to prior reports. Okay, what are the teams? I don't know why okay, here, here's my timeout. I don't know why people okay. thought that he wanted Hang to on. Jeff. Before I Before I ask for more details, I just want to make my position on Deshaun Watson known. Um, plan A, obviously get Deshaun Watson. Whatever, whatever the Texans are asking, you have to make that call. You have to put every effort into getting him. I can because we have the number two overall pick, and we and we have the choice of two prospects in Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, both of whom I think have the potential to be very good quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, I'm not I'm not going to lose my mind if we don't get Deshaun Watson, but he has to stay out of the AFC East at all costs. Oh, if if he goes to the Miami Dolphins, Chris. Um, my sentiment about being in a wheelchair, it being worse than the Jets, remains like three hundred percent true. You go from Tom Brady to Deshaun Watson, that's that that's yeah. He has to stay out of the AFC. Teams like you guys would have to, two Super Bowl contenders in your division instantly, which would be crazy. Oh oh yeah, and and are you gonna discount Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots? You, you know, in three years, they could no. they could draft Trey Lance, for all we know, Jared in this Stidham. draft, and become a Super Bowl contender. Yeah, well, I think, could... I mean, Lance is, like, more of a risk, though. Like, I, I, I think he could be a good NFL quarterback. I just don't think it'll be I, – I wouldn't take him at two. I don't think he's safe enough to be taken at two, if that makes sense. Oh. Oh, was what I did? It sound like I wanted Trey Lance at two. I, well, no, no, no. I'm not saying you did. I'm just saying, like, I'm sure there are some people that think that way. Um, no, I, I think, no, I think the order of quarterback, I, you know, I think the where the swap is the most is between Justin Fields and Zach Wilson. I'm, I'm personally not a big Justin Fields guy. I, I don't like Ohio State quarterbacks first and foremost. Second, uh, when. Ohio State's such a superior team against Big Ten competition. When he plays legitimate competition, he he looks he doesn't look like a superstar anymore, which is what I'm looking for in a guy that I draft number two or overall. With that being said, if Joe Douglas drafts Justin Fields second overall, I I'm gonna be riding with Justin Fields and, until the wheels fall off, you know? Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm very high on Justin Fields. I feel like Justin Fields, because he gets compared to uh, to Trevor Lawrence, gets way more scrutiny than he probably should. Um, because here's the, here's the fact at the end of the day. With the exception of one quarterback a decade, Andrew Luck, Trevor Lawrence, Peyton Manning, outside of those guys, every quarterback prospect has some sort of flaw. Um you know, Russell Wilson was taken in the third round. Mahomes um, and Watson were both taken in the middle of the first round. There were a lot of teams that looked at them and said, I don't think this this guy has what it takes to be a franchise quarterback, including the New York Jets. But what would you say about uh, Ryan Leaf? Well, Ryan, I mean, but you can but here's the thing. Like you would say, well, he could be the next Ryan Leaf. I'll 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 rephrase it to you this way. What do you think is more likely to happen? Um Justin Fields being a good quarterback, you know, being the promising prospect that he is, hitting on Justin Fields, 
Uh, or you could say, and I'm not anti Zach Wilson to be clear, but I feel like there are a lot of Jet fans that are th- looking at the draft picks as a gamble when the real gamble is potentially rolling with a quarterback that threw nine touchdowns all season in his third year in the NFL and seems to be getting worse by all accounts, suddenly becoming a great quarterback. You know what I mean? That um, That's the way I see it. And I, yeah. So my, my thing is, um, the thing is, uh, and by the way, w- with my point about Ryan Leaf, it's not that he was a bust and, you know, he had problems with addiction and thankfully he's turned his life around. That's good. My my thing was that uh, Ryan Leaf was pointed at as the Cantus prospect. Right. So that was my, that was, oh, okay. that was really what I, what I was pointing out. Every, you know, Ryan Leaf was a Cantus prospect and he missed severely. He missed more, he missed worse than, than most people. Uh, my thing with Sam Darnold is how, how old is Sam at, at this point? Was he 23? Yeah. Um, isn't Justin Fields 22? He is, but I don't think the age is really the question here. I, I, I feel like here, here's my thing with Sam Darnold is yeah, he came into the league when he was 20, but he had 18, 19, right? 19. No, no, I don't know. I think he was 20. I'm like, I mean, I'm talking out of my rear end here, but I'm pretty sure he was 20. Regard- Still got to be unreal feeling. Yeah, 19, but he, but the thing with Sam Darnold is he already had all the physical tools. Um, it was just a case of could he put it together mentally? And I don't think age matters as much as experience and the amount of time you've been in the league. At the end of the day, Sam Darnold has been in the league for three years, and not only has he not seemed to have gotten better, but he's gotten worse. And that's not entirely his fault. Part of that is the players around him. Part of that's the coaching. A large part of that is the coaching. But I think the question that Jet fans need to ask themselves is, um, what do you think? What do you think his ceiling is with a good coach? Is it uh, Patrick Mahomes? Is it Case Keenum? I think it's Case Keenum at this point. Uh, I would say his ceiling is probably closer to a less mobile version of a Ryan Tannehill. And Ryan Tannehill isn't extremely mobile as is, so that's not very promising. But yes, but Ryan Tannehill, uh, when he decides to run, he actually gets some yards. I mean, I've never seen Sam Donald really scramble for that many plus yards. He can power run. through people though. Like we saw this oh. in the in the Browns game a bit. Like if he weren't like touted as this uh, generation, not generational, but like as a top prospect, he'd probably be in like a Taysom Hill role, and I think he would actually do pretty well in that role. Um, obviously, he wants to be a starter, so that's like a non-starter for the Jets. But now I'll tell you the one big reason why I still believe and have faith in Sam Donald is because of his heart and dedication. Um, that's fair. You know, he does work hard. He he has a lot of heart. He plays with a lot of heart. Um, it doesn't seem like his teammates have ever really turned on him, which with a lot of bad quarterbacks, that would happen a lot. No, listen, I'm not saying keep Sam Darnold. We must. This is the Bible. I'm just trying to give some pro-Sam arguments here. Yeah, I, I guess that's kind of fair. I just don't think he has, like, the the mental ability to read defenses. And I think that's what's going to be his downfall, honestly. Now, uh, real quick, uh, you and I haven't talked about this. Robert Sala. All gas, no breaks. I mean, we just did a two-hour show with no breaks. 
I love it. That may, maybe we'll make that the title of the podcast. All gas, no brakes. And we we came and break this up into hour one and hour two because we've literally been talking nonstop since six oh three. Uh, and Pav, if you're listening, I did get a legal ID in there at the top of the hour. I have witnesses, so no FCC violations here. But I I don't think Pav should be mad at us. I, I think if anything, he should be impressed. Well, we technically abandoned the format, and there's a bunch of segments that Gideon's yeah. gonna have to delete from Zeta. But it's it's cool. Yeah. It's well, cool. yeah, there's a format. You're gonna have to delete some stuff. I get it, but I mean, yeah. I I would still be impressed. Gideon, did you expect us to make it through a full two hours without taking a single break? Once we hit, um, you know, the first half hour is like, okay, like, you know, maybe maybe we'll do it. Why not? Uh, and I think once we hit 7 o'clock, it's like it's smooth sailing from here. <laughs> we could do it. We're already an hour in, halfway done. We're feeling good, full steam ahead. And I was, I, from then on, I always believed. All right. That, well, we did it. Two hours, almost two hours, without a single break. Could be the longest uh, podcast ever uploaded on Anchor ever. Uh, but... We're going to wrap up the Wednesday edition of the WRSU crew. Keep it locked. We've got uh, Lisa Uber coming up next. Some great music from 8 to 10 on WRSU FM New Brunswick.